How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. So coming into this week, we're feeling a little bit better. The Kings haven't lost quite as much. They've won a couple times, in fact, which helps lighten the mood <laughs> now that the season is getting going. Although the last win was, it was a win, but the way that they won was a little distressing. Yeah, they made it as dramatic as possible in the last few minutes for no real reason. I mean, if they had lost that game, I'd have been like, come on, Braden McNabb, can you please just control the stick a little bit more. Brandon McNabb has had quite a like beginning of the season. I mean, he scored two goals, so it's not like it's all bad. But, um, and in the Dallas game, this wasn't necessarily his fault, but like uh, Antoine Roussel seemed to just like want his head on a platter uh, for laying that hit <laughs> yeah. on Patrick Sharp. So he was just like constantly going after him. Um, to the to the, like extent where he was getting like game misconducts and like destroying the penalty box and so that you know Braden McNabb things have happened and then of course the two delay of games this game uh, against the Canucks was just ugh, it was just like a big sigh every time she's like God really yeah that was frustrating the hits and stuff that was fascinating well first of all imagine like watching Antoine Roussel was so fascinating to me because I can't imagine being that hyped up and angry about anything. And he was just at level 11 for so much of that game. Unless someone like hit my mother or something like that. <laughs> right. um, even then I'd be like, maybe I'll call the police. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> right. um, I wouldn't be grabbing else. onto his arm and like tugging like a crazy like rabid dog just like no i want to fight you get over here right now the, the fit in the penalty box that's just so hype in a way that i have never really been in my life he just really so. you know really has the back of patrick sharp apparently he doesn't want harm to come to him i mean that's dope i but also chill dude i guess <laughs> And it's funny because Braden McNabb is just like, mm, I'm used to it. It happens in my career. Yeah, Because <laughs> like, he throws mm. a lot of hits all the time. <laughs> so he's just got to be ready to take on that kind of anger, which is also intense. I don't know if I personally would have the makeup for that. I don't even like people yelling at me in my real life. I will literally walk away from a person because I'm not interested in it. So I can't imagine like dudes also sort of yelling at me <laughs> and also being like, let me murder you, I guess. Yeah, that's a really intense situation to have to be in on what seems like a regular blaze, uh, regular basis if he's so blasé about it all. Right, yeah. But, but maybe that's how he got to that point. He was I like, guess. well, you know, people just freak out around me. It's chill. Zen master, Braid McNabb, he knows something. <laughs> he does a lot of yoga in the morning. I don't know. He knows something that I don't know. But it's chill. Um, anyway, I would rather much, or I would much rather debate the hits thing than random careless delay of game penalties. Can we stop those? <laughs> <laughs> that was, Let's never have those. He really needs to control that. But it's cool. The Kings pulled out the win, so now they have won in overtime and they have won in the shootout. So next step, maybe regulation. Yeah, apparently, Let's they just need hope. more time. You know, I, I'm sure they were like, man, if we could have had more time in that Minnesota game, we could have done something. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. 
but maybe not. Because with that game was deeply annoying because the King, the Flyers game prior, they had let, what, four goals in during the second period and did it again during the Minnesota game. I was like, no, this is not a trend that should be happening. Uh, control yourselves. But, I mean, it's not expected, but, I mean, you can kind of give them not a pass um, understand it, I suppose, with everything that's happening to the goalies. True. Um, and also, yeah, like I think uh, the Kings also, I think in the Minnesota game, the underlying numbers are really good. So it was like, oh, they're trending in the right direction. And it, that kind of was a game where it was just like, well, all right, but they let in too many goals. They're having some goaltender issues. So, so yeah, I was kind of like, well, that sucked, but I'm not that worried about it. At least they're not playing as sloppy necessarily and whatnot. And now the last couple of games, they've looked really good. Um, despite allowing late goals or whatever. But now, at least they won them. Yeah, now their numbers are good and they're winning games. Train's rolling in the right it's direction. It's been more fun to watch them. It's good when they play their system well. I think what people, myself included, can sometimes forget is because the Kings don't necessarily always score a lot of goals, it doesn't mean that they're not a high-event team. They shoot constantly. Like, they're already back up at the top in terms of uh, Corsi 4 percentage and stuff like that. So they, they shoot towards the neck constantly. Um, they're not the team that you look at and they're speeding everywhere necessarily, but they often play really structured in a way that gets them into the offensive zone um, and try to make stuff happen. So when they're playing the way they're supposed to, it's still fun. Yeah, they're more of the the tortoise in the tortoise and the hare right, right. sort of thing <laughs> in terms of setting up uh, plays and getting to it. I mean, they get there. They get there eventually and they get their goals, but it's not going to be fast. Right, it's not like, let's just watch these people skate loops around each other, yeah. unless it's randomly Kyle Clifford that one time in the preseason <laughs> game. Or sometimes when I'll look at Jeff Carter and he'll be at one end of the ice and then all of a sudden on the other, I'm like, how did you get there so fast? Jim Fox had an amazing moment during the Canucks game where he was actually talking about Tanner Pearson, um, but there was sort of this sidebar moment talking about Jeff Carter where it was like, he skates so gracefully that sometimes it seems like he's not skating at all. Um, and I guess they had, somebody had said that to Tanner Pearson about Jeff Carter, and Tanner was like, well, he's fast. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he's absolutely working really hard, no matter what it looks like. I think Jim uh, Jim Fox also said something about his, uh, Jeff Carter's big old butt in, right, yeah. uh, in front of the goaltender's face. So Jim Fox, real on point with uh, hockey watching Jeff Carter. Yeah, it was a good night for uh, someone like me who appreciates when people <laughs> try to describe what it's like to watch Jeff Carter play hockey. <laughs> uh, so the Kings record now is technically 2-3-0. Somehow, despite his two-game suspension to start the regular season, two regular season game suspension was technically four games. But anyway, Tanner Pearson is back and suddenly the points leader. <laughs> In three games, yeah. he has five points, Four goals and one assist, which is crazy. I like it. I mean, in the past, it's been Tyler Toffoli that's been, like, hot out of the gate. Um, And I'm fine with him passing the torch to Tanner Pearson. It seems like he's really, I don't know, gotten his game together after that suspension. His first full season, the one where that 70s line eventually came together. He didn't start, like, crazy hot, I don't think, right out of the gate, but he did pretty quickly yeah. hit, like, a stride where he scored a bunch of points, and then he got injured. So it was, like, bummer town. <laughs> but it's cool to see him come back into this year now m- further removed from that injury and recovering from it for him to be like, well, I'm back, and I'm ready to score and stuff, and who knows how long it'll last, but it's it's really fun. 
Well, we'll take it for now because if it's going to help the Kings score goal, uh, score goals and win games, then if it lasts for only a little bit, I, I mean, as hot as he's going right now, if only that only lasts for a little bit, that's fine. I, I kind of assume that it'll peter off a little towards right. The, he's probably not going to score in every game, <laughs> <laughs> but it'll it'll. I I would like to see it obviously not completely shut off like him to still be consistent even if it's not just like on fire the way that he is right now interestingly though when i was looking at ice time for all of the kings but once you get past like the defensemen who have a bunch of minutes um andre kopitar as usual is still the forward on the ice who has the most ice time but second to him at least right now through five games tyler to which is pretty interesting. And then Jeff Carter, I think, is the third most used forward. Um, but that was really cool to see, like, Tyler Toffoli is getting to this place where it's like, if you want your top guys out there, one of them is Toffoli. He is on the ice. It's obviously cementing his his role um, as, like, a, a key Kings player and someone who's going to make things happen, and that's really exciting to see. He has pretty high expectations for himself this season. He wants to score a lot more. Um, so far, he has three points, but only one goal. So his shooting percentage is a little below average. But uh, obviously, there's plenty of time left, and he's getting the minutes that you know a couple years ago we were like, "But why is he playing ten minutes?" Yeah, <laughs> you would you would see, he would be in the single digits in like the third period because he did something you know maybe slightly wrong during the first and second. And suddenly, he was in the doghouse and then was on the ice for like seven minutes uh, during the third period to our complete agony. Right. So it's good to see him getting some more trust, and now he has really become a part of the Kings' key players, and that's really cool. So I hope he has another big year. Obviously, the 30 goals was something that we had hoped for, and it was amazing to see happen, and I want to see him match that, and then improve he wants on to it. exceed it. Yeah, improve yeah. on that, for sure. Um, but as we sort of mentioned with the goaltender problems, now they have been compounded, escalated, it's bad. <laughs> it's worse. I just assume that at this point in their locker room, they have to have some sign that says, like, protect the groin at all costs. Just <laughs> right. because yeah. it seems like it's a real weak point. Nobody was expecting Jeff Zatkoff to get hurt. I mean, not that anybody's ever expecting an injury, but it was practice. Even John Rosen, I like his tweet of, like, I wasn't even paying attention, but apparently <laughs> Jeff Zatkoff had to be helped off the ice he hurt his groin he'll probably be out for a while he's now on IR that is super rough for him because he was hoping to come back to the team and make a big impact especially with quick out it's like all right I get to be the starter he had started yeah this is my time to shine but now he is out too (laughs) it's a rough rough time for him um which which means that Peter Budai is the guy. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Although and... there was a there's a harrowing moment in the Canucks game where I guess Dowdy's stick kind of knocked Budai's helmet off and I about nearly had a heart attack thinking that cuz he he was not down but just like had his head down for a moment and in that second I was like, "Oh shit. He's injured as well." Oh, we're not going to have any more goalies ever. <laughs> it's just cursed. It would be fascinating to see where, I mean, I guess they could put like Jonathan Quick on LTIR or something, and then they'd have a little more flexibility to bring someone in. But A, who would they bring in? And B, like, what do you do when all of your goaltenders eventually are healthy and come back? Um, it, it would have been, it would be a very interesting situation if the Kings ran into that scenario. Right now, they're going with basically the Ontario Reigns goalie tandem, yes. which is Budai and Jack Campbell. 
actually on the the lowest level. So it was kind of a cool narrative in a way in that the rain were left with Jonah Emu and he had to be backed up by the rain's goalie coach, who is his dad, Dusty. So that was pretty fun. They're the first father-son tandem in yeah, professional hockey. That's pretty delightful. I that like. I can nice. just imagine uh, his dad being like, step aside, let me handle this, if he had let in two many goals. Also, the thing about Jonah Emu is I'd read, actually, in something that Elliot Freeman wrote, he was talking about how he is kind of in an interesting position because he was somebody who seemed to have some potential and then things kind of fell by the wayside because an NCAA deal fell through. And so he, then he had this lost year and now he signed with the rain. So it's like all of this like string of guys who are trying to repair their careers or get back on track because they've fallen off. And because now the Kings are in this situation where two goaltenders are out, they all kind of have a little more... Uh, opportunity and time to shine Mm -hmm. so that's interesting yeah the kings are apparently having like some sort of rehab clinic or like halfway just like if you're down on your luck here's your chance right (laughs) they do love a reclamation project they do indeed especially especially if they're a slow one (laughs) right so in a way this is something that they brought on themselves and wanted (laughs) but uh we didn't expect to see it happen quite this way so according to friedman the kings have allegedly looked into some other potential goaltenders if they do make a trade andres pavlek although apparently there are some other people saying that that has not happened but anyway the rumors are they've asked about pavlek rutabera steve mason and mike condon and then uh, Elliot Friedman threw out this little chestnut where he was like, I wonder if the Kings will also inquire about getting Jonathan Bernier back in town. I don't think I can. Can you imagine? I don't think I could sigh any harder or roll my eye. Like, I don't know if I could be any more exacer- or exasperated by all of all of it. Like, the fact that pa- like Pavlik is even a whisper on anyone's uh, tongue right now is, like, sending chills through me. Of the are any of those people that you would consider? No, <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> I think Fair. Mason for hilarity's sake, personally. Yeah, especially because he's actually played well against the Kings in the last yeah. couple. Yeah, like seasons. he's had good. He's had his good games and stuff like like so that. But I'm not. I'm not too jazzed about any of the options. I don't think they can afford Jonathan Bernier. But if they somehow figured out a way to bring Jonathan Bernier back, it would be so hilarious to me at least in that of course Jonathan Bernier was always sort of expected to be the future of LA Kings goaltending and then he wasn't and now it's like through the most unlikely circumstances he would get to come back to the Los Angeles Kings and be a starter finally how crazy would that be I just want to see the headlines about it, honestly. Uh, see, it would be so funny because what if he... Okay, what if this happened? What if he took a little bit of a cut so that the Kings could afford him so he could get his chance to shine as a starter for the Los Angeles Kings? And then, miraculously, Jonathan Quick gets better way sooner than everyone thinks, and they just kick him <laughs> to the curb again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so good. It would be terrible for him. <laughs> But it would be so entertaining for us. Yes. <laughs> it would be so great. Um, so that's kind of my dark horse narrative that I want to happen. If for any reason they have to trade for a goaltender. I don't think it will, obviously. But if some 
series of really ridiculous events happen, that's where I want the end game to be, is <laughs> Jonathan Bernier as the King's starter. And still having to cede the position to Jonathan Quick when he comes back. Or, I mean, um, I guess maybe be even better, just Jeff Zatkoff. Like, being like, oh, yeah, well, Jeff's better. I think we'd rather go with him. So why don't you just warm this bench for a little? Oh, man. And I don't even have anything against Jonathan I don't either. Uh, I don't either. The hilarity of it is too good. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, But it seems like right now the Kings are just going to see what happens with Peter Budai. And if he is solid and the Kings win enough games, obviously they probably won't make any moves. But there are some names out there floating around as possibilities, and it seems to be those so far. And obviously the big challenge is the Kings don't really have any money, so (laughs) they can't make a huge deal. Yeah, when you don't have money, you don't have options. Daryl Sutter, before we move on from goaltenders, Daryl Sutter did have a funny thing to say about it, um, because Bill Ranford is away from the team right now, or he's probably back by now, but he was away from the team to play in the Heritage Classic alumni game, and Daryl Sutter was asked about that. And what he said is, well, he's coming off of a back surgery last year. He looks better this year, talking about Bill Ranford. Um, That's one thing about our goalie coaches, is that they're both former goalies. So if we need goalies, we've got several. It's not like we're short of goalies. (laughs) So Daryl Sutter's not worried about it. (laughs) They'll just throw Bill Ranford out there. It's fine. Oh, that would be... I would, okay, I would rather see that. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, a tandem of Jonathan Bernier and Bill Ranford. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I forgot to mention, just because it's fun, we were talking about points in Tanner Pearson. Forgot to mention that Dustin Brown had an inexplicable three-point night against the Vancouver Canucks, which was both amazing and kind of weird to see because I'm still also not used to saying Kings captain Andre Kopitar. Yeah, still not used to that. Uh or just, like, regular Kings player, Dustin Brown. Right, yeah. Um, but he had a great night. And so now I always, or I find myself in this, like, strange place where I'm oddly emotional about Dustin Brown having a good night. I don't know. Well, it just of seems course, like it's been rough. because when you've been stripped of your uh, your captaincy title, I mean, that's rough. And we love Dustin Brown and only want good things for him. So to see him still succeed and succeed outside of the realm of, like, being a good captain... Uh, and like a, being a, like a good role model, I suppose, for the other players, and just like act, actually producing on ice is like really heartwarming. And the fact that he's terrorizing the Canucks, but um, yeah, it's just I I want him to do so well. Me too. And for him to have a good night against the Canucks was just sort of like the you know cream on top or whatever. They were the last undefeated team in the NHL, and now Dustin Brown has contributed to making that not true. <laughs> That's amazing. Could have been more amazing if Braden McNabb hadn't almost ruined things, but it's fine. Yeah, that was... Ugh. The Kings were up 3-0, <laughs> and then <laughs> the Canucks came back. But still, it ended nicely, so that's good. And I'm, I'm proud of Dustin Brown, and I want him to have m- more good nights and multi-point games. <laughs> he's ready. It seems like he's all set and like being like, I'm going to score goals now. I'm going to be a person that scores goals. Look, I am... He worked so hard, you know, a couple couple summers ago at this point um to get in shape and so if his year of coming back strong was just a little delayed and it's this year i'm down for it let's make it happen i agree off the ice the kings decided to make us happy we mentioned the fact that they had done a dog calendar and guess what it's back 
it's great. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I love always seeing them. I feel like more guys brought in their own dogs. Maybe they had before also, but it just seemed like there were more dogs. Maybe everybody just was like, well, I need another dog. So dog in the party. last year, I've got more. <laughs> yeah. They're all so well-trained. It's it's really enjoyable to watch. I love that there's another Labradoodle in the mix. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, apparently that's the, the dog of the kings. Is like a giant fluffy carpet of a dog. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, this one belong- belonging to Teddy Purcell, named Vetter, to join Milo and Gustel. Wasn't there a didn't was it Milan Lucic? Did he also? Have I think a he might. I feel like so. Was, I think some. I think okay. he might have as well. Yeah, I was like, I feel like we lost one ar- along the way. <laughs> there was another one, and I think it might have been his dog, who is obviously now. Um, not in Los Angeles with the Kings, but that's fine. They found a replacement, so at least there's no shortage of Labradoodles. Shortage of goalies, but no shortage of Labradoodles. Put that Labradoodle in net. Let's move on to something less cute, which is Dean Lombardi decided to talk to someone about analytics, or he was asked about it, let's say. That's probably more fair. That's fairer to him. Like, we talked about the World Cup of Hockey stuff and all of his blunders with Team USA and, like, really leaning into the emotion to the point where he was like, it super makes sense not to ask Phil Kessel if he wants to be on this team. (laughs) Um, People are, like, looking at the things he says and are like, what other stupid thing is Dean Lombardi going to say today? Anyway, he did this thing where he talked about analytics and how he doesn't trust them completely. And here's just a piece of what he said. Um, He said, it's one thing to look at it, but quite frankly, you've got to be careful with some of these things. The one thing that is missing in all of this is no one has shown the correlation with winning. I get it, and I'll use it as a touchstone. I think it's a great checkoff. But this stuff you heard about, you'll do this and this will happen. They can't prove it. And there is a reason they can't prove it. It probably doesn't have the impact on winning and losing that they think. And so a lot of people read this whole interview, but I think particularly this part of it, and we're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, there is a correlation between playing really consistently well in terms of certain analytic markers. Obviously, the most popular one that people cite because it's the easiest to understand is Corsi um, and the correlation to winning. Like, obviously, the Kings have also fit that mold. Like, even in 2011-12, people were like, well, they're not scoring goals, and that's rough, but they're playing really well, so eventually they will come. And then they did in the playoffs. They scored a lot in the playoffs, which I think people forget. So it was it was kind of, dram- not super dram- dramatic, but it was kind of going around of people being like, I can't believe Dean Lombardi basically threw analytics people under a bus. Um, it's, cra- it's crazy, I don't know, though, because they've always been obviously aware and they've always been using analytics but i think he wants it to be more than it is i want i think he wants it to be like if you do this you will win no questions asked instead of like a correlation and like if you trend towards this way then winning will come like winning's going to come to you um or i guess scoring will come to you and therefore winning will come to you uh but it's not like the magic number or it's not like the magic thing that I feel like he wants it to be. And we know that he doesn't always take that into effect with a n- number of times he takes like shitty numbered gritty veterans to come play on the Kings team. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, I don't know, everybody kind of acted like this was new for Dean Lombardi. Like all of a sudden he's shitting on analytics people. But I think in actuality, despite that one particular sentence about the correlation thing, which was just wrong, um, in general, he's talked about this kind of the same way. So, like, here is from an interview he did in 2014 where he talked about analytics as well. And it was kind of the same thing where he's like, I use it, but also I'm 
I'm not going to think like this is the blueprint and you have to do it this way in order to be a winning team. But one quote he had from from it was, it's unbelievable that question now. Every guy from Toronto's calling me because they did it. And this was like after the summer, uh, what everybody called the summer of analytics where a bunch of dudes were getting hired. Anyway. So every guy from Toronto is calling me now because they did it. Um, so all the writers call. There's a perception perception out there that we have the holy grail, some magic formula, and that's why we're winning. And Lombardi's got this blah, blah, blah. And so you're just talking here. It's not only the way you play, right? They copy you. But now they, ha- now they want to know what you're doing, and he means behind the scenes. So, yeah, we might have been using analytics, but don't forget, too, like I've always said, there's a big difference between data and knowledge and how you use it. Be careful. And the other thing, too, is that you'll never convince me that emotion isn't a huge part of this game more than any other game. Um, and so it's like the same thing. He's always sort of said we use it, but also like like you know you were talking about. He does have his affinity for different types of players, especially if they're players who have something to prove in an emotional way because he thinks it c- contributes to a culture around a team. Um, and it's bitten him in the ass sometimes, but it's also for a period, like, it seemed to be working. So I think that's also kind of the struggle there is I don't think he's, he just hasn't changed much from that particular mode of thinking. And now maybe it doesn't work. It worked in 2011 and 12 and maybe up to 2014, but it it's changing. And it might not keep working yeah. beyond now. Now's yeah, it looks like it's going downhill from there. Um, I would also like to posit that Dean Lombardi is a fucking liar. <laughs> and so I think... If he does believe he, the Kings have some kind of secret formula, which they probably don't. I think a lot of people have pointed out the strengths in the way the Kings system works. And a lot of the questions are actually more about coaching style and, and the effect that it has, because we can't quantify those things entirely. But I think people have pointed out a lot of strong points about the King system and why it leads to winning. So I don't think he necessarily has a secret formula, but if he believes that, I think he's totally going to put, like, some bullshit in the air so people think he's got something to hide. Throw him off his scent. Yeah, because, like, even I remember, like, Robin Regeer even had the quote where he was like, yeah, they show us Corsi and stuff, and it's kind of cool to see how maybe if you didn't think you had a good night, there's a little bit of evidence to show that maybe you were stronger in at least some other areas. Even uh, Drew Doughty has mentioned it, although he had this, like, stupid thing where he was like, I think Corsi's fake, but he indicated that they do... (laughs) show them those things. So I think the Kings obviously use some kind of analytics. Um, and just because Dean Lombardi says something doesn't necessarily mean he's telling you the whole truth, is is my theory. Yeah, that's probably true. It still concerns me that Drew Daddy is like some kind of truther, but... <laughs> he's got, he's got so many problems, <laughs> but... So many problems, and that is just another one to throw on the pile. His Drew Daddy Corsi truther. Um... So, yeah, and not to say that I think Dean Lombardi is secretly a genius who has a secret formula again. Like, I do think it's quite possible that we'll see his philosophy of at least team building, like what happened with Team USA, start to just erode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I don't think the new piece that came out indicates that he is the hater of analytics that people think, even though he clearly has no love for the sort of analytics fan community, which is fine. He's totally condescending, but I don't think he hates numbers necessarily. That's just how he's always been, vaguely 
elitist and condescending about certain things. Right, yeah. He thinks he knows everything because he loves baseball and also the 49ers, but... (laughs) And war stories, but okay. Sure, Dean. Just because he's someone's just, like, typical dad. He's always telling old war stories and stuff about baseball. Honestly, with all of the sport, like baseball stuff that's been going on recently, I feel like I've been surrounded by all those people. <laughs> yeah. I've um. heard so much about baseball, and I... Baseball's fine. I don't follow baseball very much, except for the fact that a bunch of my friends do, and I am therefore forced to. But for whatever reason, this particular playoff run brought out a lot more stories in <laughs> almost so everyone people. I... Everyone I know. So I know a lot about random baseball. Well, this seems like a good time to mention that we did at least try to get on the baseball thing in our own way. Um, You might have seen it, anybody listening to this, you might have seen the post that we did for LAKings.com, but we did post a piece about Tyler Toffoli, the secret Dodgers intern, because um, I am like, you know, I'm sort of casually a follower of baseball. So, of course, the thing that I noticed the most is the LA Kings player who is always at Dodgers Stadium. (laughs) But yeah, he's there all the time. And so we had to expose him and write about it. So that was really fun. He apparently needs to improve his, like, interning game. Yeah, yeah. He's still not an official hire of uh, the MLB or the Los Angeles Dodgers. But you never know. He seems to be working really hard. It could happen for him. Maybe if he works harder, the Dodgers will go further. Yeah, that would be really nice. I like the fact that he even has his Twitter avatars, him in the Dodgers <laughs> uniform. Um, he's he Rough keeps Fair, yeah, because his Instagram is the Kings. But, you know, he's just he's just trying to represent all of the people that he works for at the same time. Yeah. I respect it. Spread the love around. But that also means that hopefully we will be writing more pieces for the LA Kings site. Um, we're trying to do at least one a week. They won't always be necessarily like that. But more stuff from us on the site, which is pretty cool. We're excited about it. Do you have other things you want to say about this Kings team? How do you feel about them? I'm feeling better. Um... I like the fact that they're winning even with the sort of juggling that they're doing in front of the net. And usually that's something that we have to worry about less Mm -hmm. than everything else. You know, usually it's like lines not coming together, no one's scoring, so on and so forth. And we're usually pretty solid on the fact that our goaltending is pretty good. Like, even if there's an off night or two, it's like, no, we got Jonathan Quick back there. You know, I think we're, we're pretty much okay. So that was kind of a worry for a while. And at least they're winning. The every, Everyone as a whole is doing better. So uh, I know that we the Kings got off to a, a rocky start. Uh, but it looks like it's trending towards the positive. So Somebody pointed out, I should double check this really quick, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to say it. Somebody pointed out <laughs> that they seem to increase by one goal per like each game, with the exception of obviously they scored four the last two games. But it was like one the first game, two the second game, three the third game, and then four, four now. Um, which I thought was kind of funny, at least, anecdotally. Then soon, I mean, there's been a lot of really high-scoring games in like the NHL recently, so maybe exactly. get get up to seven goals. Let's do it. Just keep rising. Oh, oh, the day when the Kings score seven goals against someone. Hey, they had the 9-2 game last season, so you never know. <laughs> That's true. I was about to say, when are they playing the Columbus Blue Jackets? Because I think the Blue Jackets are still the only team that haven't won. No, they've won now. now they, they won now? Won. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did they win? It was like their third game. I think they also just had games what? that were spread out more than other people. So oh, was, was just... I just like not paying attention? Because I kept <laughs> yeah. being like, have you not won yet? Yeah, and I think I think they have now played four games, but it was like they Ouch. had their first game and there was like some time or something. I don't know. But it, they were technically, oh. I think, the last team to 
to get a win, but okay, they, hadn't, that's what it was. they hadn't actually played that many games. Oh, um, they shut out the stars. That's nice. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to, to, to make that happen. They play them Tuesday, so that should be fun. I am really stoked about their rookie defenseman, Zach Wierenski, so that will be nice for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to go to it, see him play in Los Angeles. It's going to be dope. Excellent. Um, they're an interesting team because they still have John Tortorella, who I'm not a fan of necessarily as a coach, but he, but they have they're not struggling out of the gate like they were last season when it took them forever to get a win. So um, I think they're kind of a team to keep an eye on to see if things just gel a little bit more for them. And I mean, like right now, again, they have this like. Zach Wierenski has, like, a point in his first four games, which has, I think, never happened in their franchise history. So they've got some people who are starting out with a hot hand, too. So Blue Jackets could be fun to watch. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. I was randomly speaking of, like, the fact that the Kings goaltender situation is iffy, um, the Nashville Predators all got food poisoning and oh, yeah. had to replace, like, half their team, uh, including their goalie, wild. and they still won. So there's hope for all of us. Excitement, shenanigans. I, you know, I love a little bit of chaos, but that was weird. <laughs> that was very strange. I mean, I mean, and rough too. Like it's kind of amazing that that thing kind of thing doesn't happen more often because these guys spend so much time together, and so like it makes sense that they would go to eat at the same places. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of surprising that more dudes aren't just randomly like, "Whoa, we all went to the same restaurant, and now we're all sick." And we have to play tomorrow. That's true. Or maybe they just have other people just have iron stomachs. Or this was just like a particularly shitty piece of food. I right, want, what right. did they eat? <laughs> I don't know. Were, like, I, I need someone to publish thing. that so that I never go there. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool that they still won. That's, yeah, that's hey, awesome. Way to uh, face the challenge. And that's that's a pretty nice thing for, you know, their their rookie team. Or their, yeah, you yeah. know, just like, hey, we can play, we can play in the NHL against... The Penguins, right, right, the, 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 the reigning Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> yeah. We can do this. So, oh, uh, they they right. definitely went back all just like big man on campus. And you know what? They earned it. That's pretty cool. Actually, they earned it. Yeah. Another team that is sort of generating buzz, though not in a food poisoning way, but closer to like the Blue Jackets, like a team to watch play is like people are strangely now saying, and by people I mostly mean Darren Dreger, but then he indicated that coaches in the league feel this way, that the Edmonton Oilers are finally ready to turn the corner and be a team that is not necessarily immediately good, but trending towards good. And some people think that they will actually make the playoffs. I'm not convinced. Those those are some bold predictions by people. I think that they'll do well. I think they'll stop being the, the butt of a lot of jokes in terms of like, you know, the shitty Edmonton Oilers, but making it to the playoffs, I don't know about that one. Yeah, and it's like, who are they going to knock out? I mean, right now, the Kings and, like, the Ducks have, you know, not great records, but I don't think they'll necessarily stay there. The Ducks, maybe, I don't know, Randy Carlisle's a bad coach, so, and that's who they have now. They could have some struggles, but even still, like, that's a lot of ground to to make up in order to get one of those guaranteed playoff spots. And then the wild cards, like, who are you going to take it from in the central, which is still a stacked division? We'll see. I mean, if they do, cool, I guess. (laughs) The other red flag for me is that their first two games were against the Calgary Flames, who are a mess. So I feel like you can't prop up their, like, their record looks good right now. And they're, I think, at the top of the division. But... 
those first two games, though. Like, I don't think everybody is going to be the Calgary Flames when they play the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, they they definitely had easy mode for this. Um, But they are still causing drama anyway. A little... An interesting debate um, is that they decided to, after losing, I think, their first game against their first lose of the season, they played like Calgary, whatever, and then they played Buffalo and lost to Buffalo. So suddenly, for some reason, it was panic mode for Todd McClellan. <laughs> and he was like, we're canceling the day off and we're going to practice. And then there, which on its surface was like, all right, fine, whatever, he's angry. But then a couple people were like, pump the brakes. That's not just like a regular random off day. That's one of the mandatory days that teams get four of each month. Um, So you can't just cancel it. And then the players, I guess, were like, well, we'll just move it to Wednesday and it's fine. But it started a debate, a couple debates, one about the mandatory off days in the CBA, but then also about captaincy because obviously they just named Connor McDavid captain. He's 19. And people were like, what's up? Why didn't the 19-year-old captain step in and be like, coach, we're going to sleep tomorrow. It's a day off. Yeah. Please chill. Um, even like Willie Mitchell tweeted like what happened to the captain sort of stepping in. I don't remember what the exact tweet was, but he was also just like, what's going on here? Uh, so I, it was. it's kind of an interesting thing to – come out of the like young captaincy captains the young captaincy idea and sort of the struggle there and it was kind of I don't think anybody expected it to come up this soon but I thought it was I thought there were some valid questions um not necessarily about McDavid but just about the whole situation yeah well it's hard too I mean he's young and I know he knows his role but it's like when do I step in like is it is it okay? I, it, it's strange. It's always strange being like a young person in like a veteran crowd. Uh, not that you don't have good ideas or not that you don't know that you're in charge, but it just, I'm sure he didn't feel like super comfortable like getting in someone's face about this. And I mean, he should. Yeah. It's still a learning experience. We're, you know, one month into the season. Um, so I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I can see, I can see why he would be like, kind of wary about doing all that yeah i think i mean and like the other thing too is the edmonton Oilers technically have i think it's four players right who are wearing letters so he wasn't alone and the way it seemed like it happened or at least according to people with the oilers so you know take that with a grain of salt i guess because obviously they're gonna protect their own interests but they said that it was like the the assistant captains talked to the coach and blah 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 and they agreed on it and then also mcdavid was kind of there to be like I'm okay with it too, kind of thing, Um, which is fine. So it's like, it's not on all him. There is a leadership group there. And also the other guys who wear A's are older than him. So they have a little more familiarity with that locker room and guys like Eberle and um, Nugent Hopkins. And then you have Milan Lucic, who's been in the league for longer than all of those people. So you would think, and has a family. So you would think like if anybody would have an objection to that, he would be the guy to step in and be like, no, like mandatory off days are kind of there to make sure that families get time. And even if other things about the schedule change, you know you have those four off days a month and, like, what's happening around that. Right. Um, so if they didn't have a problem with it, technically it's fine. And like you said, it could be, a, like, a learning experience for a younger player. But it, I think it was valid, too. I don't think everybody necessarily needs to pin it on McDavid in this particular situation. No. But the sort of HRE side of things with captaincy is something that I think about all the time when they make really young captains – Um, the people in charge, because it's like, all right, obviously you think this person is a good leader on the ice, but does that mean a 19-year-old also is ready to handle the, like, 
the other businessy side of it where if your coach is having like a the fit, politics of it all. right yeah like they haven't spent as much time managing personalities and things like that it's just like the reality of being in a business longer than somebody else yeah um so i thought it was like an, it's an interesting debate to have whether or not it matters and also what the captaincy role is like from team to team because i'm sure it varies um whether you know just you know what is what is the point of making someone who is younger captain versus an older guy, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was interesting. Although I kind of hate that they did cancel their mandatory off day. Um, Me too. Like beyond the captaincy, captains in, I cannot say this word, captaincy. <laughs> yeah, it's captaincy. I was having trouble thing. too. <laughs> um, because there, I mean, there was an article recently where some, coach made a bunch of like 11 and 12 year olds do like hundreds of push-ups after a loss and like the kids had to go to the doctor and like didn't go to school because they were in pain like because of a, a losing game and like to lash out like this in uh not that this is like lashing out but like kind of like you don't get your off day you we have to practice now don't spend time with your family is pretty dramatic and i don't think like i don't think that bodes well for I don't think that does anyone any good. Right, exactly. That's sort of the other side of it, too, is, like, is this appropriate <laughs> anyway? And that was kind of the the CBA side of it that came into question because it was, like, so in the CBA, and this is the obviously the latest one, coaches before the 2013 agreement, if, they, if the team had a bad game or whatever, they would be like, all right, we're practicing, and there were no restrictions on when that could happen. But the latest CBA made the mandatory off days exist. And so he, the actual thing, um, and Friedman wrote about this in 30 Thoughts a little bit too, he's saying that, okay, so the rule is that players are entitled to four mandatory days per month, um, and they have to be agreed upon, like those days are picked when, you know, at the beginning of each calendar. And in the actual agreement, it says, quote, the parties recognize that events may unfold such that monthly schedule that the monthly schedule may need to be altered or modified to adjust for unforeseen or compelling circumstances. And the thought was, okay, like compelling circumstances can be pretty subjective, but when people were asked, you know, people who interpret the CBA and whatnot, people were asked, like, especially the NHLPA, like what is compelling circumstances? Like your coach being mad (laughs) is not, is not good enough one. Um, And so that's the tension is like, apparently this is the first time a team has sort of, challenge this in the four years or so that they've had this agreement uh that they're trying to move an off day for something like we played bad last night um and it it, they don't want to set a precedent basically is the nhlpa's concern like because now if it's like the oilers are like oh we'll just move the off day to wednesday and it worked for them because all of their games were in edmonton that last week so it wasn't a huge deal but then you don't want other teams like coming out like, well, we have this mandatory off day, but we'll just move it for this random reason. And so now that's kind of the question is like, we got to define what compelling circumstances are. Yeah, what are, are the reasons? <laughs> because it can't be Todd McClellan's mad that the Oilers lost to the Sabres. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> In what, like the th- third game? Like the third, third game. game of the season? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> chill. Yeah. Everyone needs to chill out. Yeah, yeah. So I think like you're, you're – point is like super valid too is this something that needs to happen a i don't know like you said i don't think it necessarily makes a huge impact especially this early in the season to be like don't have your off day you're gonna practice because you lost last night especially after playing games two games where it was like they had scored a bunch of goals or whatever like yes it's the flames but 
they'd still played well. It's, I don't know. It just seemed drastic. I don't think it really makes a whole lot of difference either. Um, so I think it was cool, like, to raise questions about it. Yeah, to see that actually – well, to actually note that maybe this is a flaw in the CBA and that it needs to be a little bit more specific. Otherwise, people will find random workarounds to do whatever they want. Yeah. So there were some interesting layers to it if you are a person like you and I who are interested in, like, the human and, you know – personality side yeah. of the NHL. If your concern is only the ice, like, there are plenty of fans who are like, yeah, you played bad practice again, bag skate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care. Uh, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, did you miss, like, your kid's recital because you said you would be off on Wednesday, uh, but now you're not? And I'm like, that's a bummer. <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah, no yeah, one's going to work well being, like, worked that hard without any, like, respite. Like, that's not going to make you a better player by just constantly practicing and being like what yelled at and like down on like i'm not saying take a vacation all the time but like give it a rest and then give them that mandatory day and then come back and drill back into them again like that's what people need you need that recharge so i think that that's silly to do stuff like that yeah me too i agree completely with that and if it were me it would just make me resent the organization yeah (laughs) because don't treat me like a child (laughs) thank you and don't even treat a child like this (laughs) can we not (laughs) and we'll see how it plays out from now on because i think now it's sort of in that waiting period of like the nhlpa has to wait to see if the nhl is going to do anything about this before they can file their own grievance or whatever um so it's kind of in limbo land now but we'll see could be interesting if we see any changes you mentioned this earlier, but just to put a little bit of a finer point on it, like teams are scoring more to start the season. And always, I think scoring is a little loose in October because there are a lot of new people. Rosters are, even though they're technically finalized, like they're rookies up for the nine games, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so still, I thought it was an interesting note. that's from TSN. Um, the piece says, It's still early, but the NHL has averaged 6.26 goals per game through the first 50 games of the season, or nearly 5% of the full schedule. Um, If that average were to hold over the full campaign, it would be the NHL's highest scoring season since 95-96. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There will be some drop-off, but even if it is, unless it's super drastic, I think it still has the potential to be a pretty impressive season in terms of scoring, um, which has been like a huge question for people around the league because everybody's like, why isn't it still the 80s? Even though I think fans like us who didn't start watching hockey regularly until now don't, like, I wasn't there, so I don't miss it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In the 80s, I I was two. Right, yeah. So I don't really have the same sense of nostalgia (laughs) for that. (laughs) But other people are concerned. So it's still, it's positive to see that uh, goal scoring is, is happening. It would be fun. I'm not going to deny, like, more goals would be yeah. fun. I mean, so. with the way that all of the, yeah. the new kids are coming in and playing, just, like, hat-tricks up the wazoo. Um, right, yeah. Then I, I could see this, I could see it being a higher scoring season. It could be, I, I think it would be dope if it was sustained a little bit because of um, rookies. And then randomly people like Dave Perron. Yeah, who who's going to score a hat <laughs> <laughs> like Patrick Line, sure, I get that, but Ron, right. <laughs> what are you doing? Sure, he was like looking for his first point of the game, and then suddenly got three goals, and I was like, okay, hey, that's, that's a thing do you're doing. What you wanna. <laughs> so I think that's cool, and and we'll see what happens, and you know, more rookie scoring, which I love, and also some random veteran moments. Why not? Yes. Let's go for it. Everyone with hat tricks. <laughs> 
Um, the the Kings play Nashville on Thursday, and I would really like for Jeff Carter to get another hat trick against the Preds. It's, it's been a while since we've seen a Jeff Carter hat trick, yeah. so I'm ready for another yeah. one. So I think that's... Might as well. I think that's the time. Maybe they'll all be, like, still a little weak from the, the poisoning <laughs> or whatever. Not to take advantage of your misfortune, but maybe. But maybe a little. <laughs> You're a little sick. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought I would mention that because I thought it was pretty cool. And I think even in the, like, last decade or so, scoring hasn't been quite at this pace since 2009, 2010. Um, So it's a a fun time. Fun time for people watching NHL games who like to see dudes put the puck in the net. Yeah. It's happening. I like it. I'm excited. That's pretty much, I think, all we have this week. Um, Are there any sort of final thoughts that you have before we go? Um, I think I am just still rooting for the Kings to do better, and they have been. Mm-hmm. So a win in a win in regulation. That's what I'm going to ask for. Yeah, that's the thing to aim for. When we come back next week, hopefully we'll have one, maybe two, regulation wins from the LA Kings. Fingers crossed, man. I that's hope your I hope your uh, Blue Jackets friend does well. Yeah, I would like to see Zacharensky get. A goal, preferably, but I will just take points against the LA Kings. But the Kings still win. Yes, that's always that's always that's always the caveat. Is like you want one player to do well on their team and like score a goal, but for the entirety of the Kings team to you know whoop their ass. Exactly, that's just what I need. So please, if that's that can happen, wonderful. So keep an eye on that for Tuesday night. We'll see. I don't think I'm really following anybody on the Preds who is young and new. Oh, but PK Subban is there, so that's nice. That'll be our, our, you know, L.A. fans' taste of what it's like to see him on a new team. And he is as hype as ever, it seems like. So let's go. Um, So that's fun, too. So I guess, yeah, some interesting things happening for the Kings this week. I forgot about that, so I guess I do care about the Preds after all. You never know. Shocked both of us Maybe a little. All right, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find us at the usual places. Um, our website, thanksbud.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, at thanksbud. On Facebook, at thanksbud. Uh, look out for more lakings.com pieces from us. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Lots of us everywhere. <laughs> thanks, bud, um, everywhere. T- <laughs> yeah. If you want to email us, it is chirp at thanksbud.com. Um, otherwise, be good to each other. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you next week or talk to you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.